This is my tribe. 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 tribe. What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. What's up? What's up? What's up? Hey, it's really, I don't. It's just the truth. Um, so happy you guys are here. I'm so happy to be up here. You guys doing all right? Yeah, no, didn't think so. Yeah, sorry about this. We just didn't care about this side of the room. So you guys, yeah, whatever. So yeah, we knew who was going to sit here. So we scheduled for this one to go down. Um, but yeah, Super, super excited for everybody to be here. My sister is actually here. She came all the way from Mount Vernon, so make sure you make her feel real awkward or weird that she's here. So when you, when you come and find her, let her know that she's a dork. So I'm just going to be completely honest and super candid with you guys tonight. I, it's been a really, really long week for me. It's been long. Uh, Tebow left me all by myself. (laughs) We don't need him. Well, what I'm about to tell you, I think we do need him because I was exhausted. I was exhausted. Huh? I can do it. You're right. Yeah. I'm here, right? I'm still standing up here. Yeah. (laughs) Regardless. So he left us and we had internship stuff all week. We were planning this, I was planning that, preparing for this, preparing for that, and I would just, it wore me down. I didn't expect it to. I thought, oh, it's easy, I'll be, when he's gone, I'll be able to handle it, whatever. No, it made me pretty tired, but this is the truth. I really mean this when I say it. I really do get refreshed when I'm in this room with all you guys here on a Sunday night. It just kind of reminds me every Sunday night during Tribe of why I wanted to do this job in the first place. So I thank you guys for being here, and I really am so happy that you're here. So in saying that, we're going to talk a little bit about something called cause and effect tonight. So we all know what cause and effect is, I'm sure. We've had the boring classes in junior high or high school or whatever that's going over what cause and effect is, and you're like, this is super easy. Why are we talking about this? It's... But the point of it is, the most simply way that it's defined, just so we're all on the same page, even though it's easy, just so we're all on the same page, cause and effect is this idea of something that happens as a result of something else happening. Super simple, right? 
So I want to give just a few examples just to make sure that we all understand what this cause and effect is and what we're getting at. So let's just say here's one cause. So a cause is, is that one day in high school, I uh, smiled at Shelby from across the room in high school. We were in Spanish class or something. I don't remember. can't remember that well. Regardless, smiled at Shelby across the room. The effect is she fell madly in love with me, and she can't take her eyes off of me even to this day. So that is the cause and the effect of that, okay? So here's another cause. This one's especially for Leighton and Cade. So the cause is I got on Xbox to play Call of Duty with them, right? And then the effect is that I discovered they were trash and I had to carry them all night long. All night. No, it was all night, Cade. It was all night. So that's the cause and effect. Um, let's see another one. So during our internship, TiVo made the announcement that uh, some of our interns may have to speak. They may have to do a small, all of you, yes, yes. So he said that you guys were all going to have to speak, right? So the cause is that he says to, you know, let's say Maddie, that she's going to speak on stage. And the effect was, is that I think I witnessed her almost pass out and cry. So yeah, so there. How about, we'll get into some serious ones now. Those are some fun cause and effects but let's think about some serious cause and effect. So let's say you decide to maybe go out with your friends one night and make a few bad decisions, whatever that may be, and you kind of wake up. The effect, that's your cause. The effect is then you wake up the next day and you feel empty and regretful. Or maybe the cause is that you decide to disobey something that your parents have set in place, some rule, some standard that they've given you. So that's the cause. The effect would then be they find out and you end up punished and upset and feeling either bad or resentful for what may or may not have happened. So you get the idea of what cause and effect is. And here's what's kind of funny, for me at least, I'm guessing that there's a few of you in the room who it kind of has the same effect on as well. But when I experience something that's like really good, like there's an effect that's awesome and it goes great, like I'm so quick to say, that like this cause was, this was because of me. Like I am the great thing that caused this great effect. I do it all the time. I don't say it out loud, that's a little weird. But I do internally kind of hype myself up when something good happens. You know, I don't know if everybody else does that. Maybe on the flip side, though, when something negative happens or you run into these effects that are bad, something that happens that isn't necessarily something you want to take credit for, I am absolutely 0% chance, like 0% likely that I'm going to say, hey, that's me, I'm the cause of that one. I caused that awful thing to happen. In fact, if I do something and this negative effect happens, I'm more likely to blame somebody else. I'm going to blame my siblings or blame my parents or blame the weather or pl blame the song on Spotify that distracted me and caused me to act like this. Who knows? Spotify's good, man. Don't do that. No. Whatever. Why would you want SoundCloud? Whatever, Dylan. I'm done. I'm not even going to talk about it. That's a poor choice. So, 
I don't know if that's just me, but I know that it can't be. I know that because this is a normal, instinctive, kind of human thing to do in our lives. When something bad happens, we kind of want the very first thing to do is like pawn it off on somebody else. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. But here's the thing, and we all know this. In life, sometimes we mess up. We just do. We slip up. We make mistakes. We drift away from what we know we're supposed to do. And then the effect of that is that we lose our influence. It's, easy, it's really, really easy to do today. There's so many distractions or just easier or simpler or more enticing ways to do something. We all want to impress everyone and make it through the day feeling successful and like we didn't do something that embarrassed us or caused us to look poorly to the people around us. You know, it's basically what I'm trying to say is that sometimes these kind of things, they happen, and they happen in two separate ways. They can either happen in a really big way. So let's say we make a big mistake, and what this then becomes, you know, it's like maybe headlining gossip at school or on the team or with your group of friends or your small group or at church whatever it may be, so it's a big mistake and everyone knows about it immediately, you feel like. Maybe it involved getting high at a party. Or maybe it involved nude pictures that somehow got out and now everybody sees them. Maybe a run-in with the police. It's extreme, but maybe. Or maybe it's just something stupid that we did that everybody else found out about. Whatever we did was the cause. And then the effect is that people look at us and then they take a step back. I can't take a big step back because this stage is small, but a step back. People that once listened to us, they turn the volume down. They don't want to hear about it anymore. They don't want to hear you anymore. You've lost your influence. Adults who once respected you, they give you that disappointed look. They no longer look at you as that great young man or woman that they once saw maybe. Even the people that are normally so quick to hang out with you and spend time with you, they're suddenly busy because you've lost your influence. Or sometimes it's not a big mistake. Sometimes it's small. It's something small, and it happens in a small way. Over time, it builds up. It's like a snowball effect. It wasn't one huge decision. It was a series of small ones, small changes in our friend group, or small changes in, all, in something in your life, and one-time things that turned into all-time things. So not just a one-time thing. You thought it was going to be a one-time thing, and it turns into an all-the-time type of thing. Suddenly, you feel like you're a different person because it just kept building up and building up and building up. Small mistake after small mistake, and you're seen differently now all of a sudden. Let me just give you an example from my own life. I like to be practical. I like to be real. I think that the best way to show something is just to give you a real-life example from the dude on stage who struggles with the same exact stuff that everybody else in the room does. So one second, I do need a drink. So an example from my own life. I've been a part of church for 
a good majority of my life. Whether it's been, you know, small hometown church or a big church like this, I've always kind of had to be on my P's and Q's in life as a teenager and a young adult trying to battle this tension of being a Christian, being heavily involved in church, and just simply trying to be a good person that people want to look up to while also trying to be cool, trying to be a high schooler, trying to be a grade schooler, trying to grow up in a way that I'm a Christian, but I also have friends and I'm also doing all the things that normal high schoolers do. So needless to say, I was super precautious growing up, and I still kind of am. It's not that I'm necessarily trying to be someone I'm not. That's not really the point of it. It's more or less that I know that what I do and what I say, it's going to have an effect on the people that are around me. But sometimes I've not always made the right decisions. Sometimes I wasn't precautious enough or I let something take over. I've, never, I've not always shown the best example to people around me, and that was a voice crack like I'm still 16. It's fun to be 23 and whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's what I do. I point out my flaws. <laughs> whatever. So I can remember being in high school, playing on the baseball team, golf team, travel soccer team, and yes, I know, I played on the golf team. You can make fun of me later. Yeah, I played baseball. <laughs> but I did my best to show these guys on the team, you know, what a Christian looks like, what it was supposed to look like at least. But I also wanted to appear cool to them. I also wanted to be a guy that they enjoyed to be around all the time and they didn't feel weird around. Um, I, you know... Just examples of things that would happen. I sometimes on the bus before a baseball game, I'd let them talk me into chewing tobacco or whatever, which always, always, always resulted in me throwing up. So that's a story for another day. Or I'd let them ask me personal questions about my relationship with my girlfriend or other people in my life, and I'd lie just so I could seem cooler to fit in. Or I'd let them talk me into going to parties with them going places that I knew I probably shouldn't be. I'd cuss, I'd put people down, I'd make fun of the kids on the team who weren't as good as everybody else just so I could make myself feel a little bit bigger, that I was cooler, and that the people around me would like me and think that I'm cool. And it seems like, you know, looking back on it, you may look at that and you're just like, eh, I, you know, at least me, sometimes I used to think about it like, it's just normal high school stuff, right? Like you're just trying to grow up. You're just trying to make it. It's like these normal things that happen when you grow up. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal was that for a lot of these people, a lot of these guys that I spent my time around, I was their only example of what Jesus was and who he was. I was their perception of Jesus because I was open about my faith and my beliefs. So the cause was me trying to be cool and to fit in and to make myself look like I'm a part of everything around me, while the effect was being a hypocrite and giving them a poor interpretation of who Jesus is. There was one day that happened that I knew I needed to straighten up. I knew I needed to change the way I was acting around the people around me. And I was at 
a party, and someone came up to me and they said, hey man, aren't you a Christian? I was like, yeah. What are you doing here? Do you even actually believe the stuff that you talk about and that you learn on Sunday? And I'll be honest, that really hurt at the time. I didn't expect it to. At the moment, I let it go through. I was like, whatever, dude doesn't know what he's talking about. Later that night, I'm thinking back on it, and it cut me pretty deep. It was a really, really big wake-up call for me. But it needed to happen in order for me to realize that my cause of wanting to seem cooler and fit in and to be just like my peers was resulting ultimately in this effect of being hypocritical and completely and completely destroying this foundation of being a Christian that I was trying to show people around me. I had lost all of my influence. And what I'm trying to say is how that we treat other people or act around other people can increase or decrease the effect that we have on the lives of others. It really does. Over time, if those interactions are negative, if they see, they, they see you being hypocritical or going against things that you say that you should do, people stop trusting us and they stop wanting to be around us. And as a result, we lose our positive effect slowly over time. It doesn't necessarily happen one, after one mistake but as we keep going down this path, we slowly lose all of our positive impact on anyone. Before we even realize it, our relationships have changed. And we can kind of end up feeling like we're never going to get it back. It's never going to go back to the way it once was. I've already screwed it up too much. But here's the thing. Losing influence, it happens to all of us. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. We screw up, we say things and then do the opposite sometimes. It happens. We lose our influence. And when that happens, nearly all of us kind of tell ourselves this same old thing. It's like the same exact thing. Every time you mess up or you make a mistake or you feel like you've lost it all, you say, that's it. My story is over. I can't recover from that. I screwed up. We mess up, we do something stupid People find out, and then we end up, we decide, yeah, I'm probably just, I don't think I'm going to go to tribe night this Sunday. I just don't think I want to. I don't really want to be around those people. They, they saw me mess up, or they know something that I did wrong. Or we go to a small group, and we end up staying quiet and kind of acting like we don't want to be there anymore because we're afraid to speak up because of who, what somebody may think about you speaking up, because you made that big mistake, right? Or we ghost our friend group out of fear that they're going to think differently of us now, because those are the people who know you best. So when they see you mess up, you don't, they don't want to be around you anymore, right? I'll just ghost them. We'll just move on. I'll find somebody else, or I won't. I'll just isolate myself. And more often than not, this one week, it becomes two and then the two weeks turns to two months. And then before long, we start telling ourselves, man, I used to be a church person, but I used to be a God person. I used to be a small group person. 
That's, that's just not me anymore. That's not me now. I'm not going to have influence or be a person that changes someone's life because of Jesus. Not me. We say, maybe, maybe I was once a person with positive influence and positive you effect on people. But that's just not who I am anymore. And if that's you, you're not the first to feel this way. The Bible is full, it's full of people who have screwed up their influence or had positive influence, lost it, and we were sure, they were so sure their story was over. And this week, we're going to look at a woman whose influence had nearly hit rock bottom. It was the lowest it could possibly get. In her culture, women, they had less influence than men to begin with. They were seen as property and people that they just believed that they had very little value, just hardly anything. They cooked, they cleaned, they birthed children. Anything else, they were worthless. And in this case, this woman had made some pretty bad decisions in her life. She had done some things that were regrettable, and it led her to lose what very, very little bit of influence she even had left. And her encounter with Jesus is recorded by Luke, He was a researcher. He spent time with people who knew Jesus, and he wrote down their stories. So this particular story that he recorded about this woman, it begins with a dinner invitation. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 36, it says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So there's the invitation. We have where Jesus is at right now. He's going to have dinner at a Pharisee's house. So for more context, the Pharisees were, they were Jewish leaders, and they were very dedicated to following the rules, basically. They were super dedicated to following all the rules that they believed were right, the Jewish law. And because of that, they were super confident that they had a positive effect, because they're doing it right. So they were super duper confident that we have a positive effect on everyone around us. And they were so confident They were so confident, in fact, that they looked down on anyone who they viewed as having low effect or less influence. Just looked down on them because we're the ones who have the positive effect. We don't need anything to do with you. So with that in mind about what the Pharisee is, who a Pharisee is, and where he's at, here's what happens next in Luke chapter 7, verses 37 through 38. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And this sounds pretty weird. The first time I read this, I was like, that's that's just freaky. I don't understand why she's crying on his feet and rubbing her hair on him. That sounds disgusting to me. But at this time, foot washing was a super common thing. It was super common for people because they, I mean, just think about it. They were walking on dirt roads and sandals or barefoot. Their feet were probably absolutely disgusting. So it was super common for someone to just walk into their house and clean their feet before they were to sit down or to engage in whatever was going on. But what was different about this particular situation, or what was unusual about it, was that this woman wasn't using water to clean Jesus' feet. 
she was using like super expensive perfume, something that probably took her months and months of work to afford. She was using this to clean the feet of Jesus. It was more than just cleaning his feet. It was like an act of worship. And the Pharisee had some specific thoughts about this. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, like he says he is, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is and that she is a sinner. The Pharisee had Jesus all wrong. The Pharisee thought that Jesus would back away from being touched by a sinful woman because that's what he would do because he has, the Pharisee has this great influence. He doesn't need to mess with someone like that who screwed up so many times. But in reality, this was exactly the kind of people that Jesus was drawn to and the people that were drawn to Jesus. He preferred it that way. Like, this is who Jesus is. He helps the hurt. He helps the low. People with no influence were drawn to Jesus. People who were sinners were drawn to Jesus. People who had negatively affected others in their lives were drawn to Jesus. This woman knew she had a bad reputation. She knew she had pretty much lost it all and had no influence or respect in this group. But that's what drove her straight to Jesus' feet. Her appreciation for Jesus was fueled by her own inadequacy. She was able to love Jesus in a way because she knew how inadequate she was. She felt that she was at her very bottom, but she knew that he wouldn't view her that way. She didn't hide from Jesus because she didn't measure up. Instead, she got close to him and she worshiped him. Then Jesus goes on to tell a story in verses 41 through 48. It says, Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Simon, he, he looked at this woman and he probably saw her as nothing. Just like the Pharisee, just like the people that were there, saw her as absolutely nothing. But when Jesus looked at her, he saw something completely different. He saw potential, he saw purpose, and he saw positive effect for her future. See, up until this point, the cause and effect of this woman's life, it kind of looked like this. The cause is that she's a sinner. The effect is then that people looked down on her and thought negatively about her. But this was the cause and effect of Jesus' response to her, something completely different than what the cause and effect was prior to Jesus. So the cause is, is that Jesus loved her. And the effect is that Jesus forgave her and gave her a new start, gave her a blank slate, gave her a fresh beginning. So the point of all of this and the point of this story 
and how it ties into all of this is that no matter what you've done or how bad of a person that you feel like you are or how people may see you because of something that you've done, you're loved by Jesus. And you're free to love him back. That's what's so great is it's not just a one-way thing. He invites you to love him back. You don't need to get it together. You don't need to make up for anything or try to be good just to make sure that you can hang out with Jesus. In fact, what's super awesome and what's so incredible about who Jesus is and, what, and about what he did with this woman and this encounter is that afterward, she had more influence than she could have ever imagined. She started down here, and now she had, after this encounter, a woman who felt like she had nothing ended up with more influence than ever. And to be clear about what I mean by that, is her story has now been told through generation through generation and used as an example of faith for thousands of years. Like we're talking about it tonight, about a woman who in her mind and the people around her, she was meaningless. But we're talking about her now and how much influence she has because of Jesus. Her U effect may have once been almost gone, but it became bigger than she could have ever imagined. And because of her decision to take a step toward Jesus, her story was redeemed through Jesus. Her lost influence and her lost reputation and her lost standing, they weren't lost forever. The way she thought it was and the way everybody else treated her like it was. Kind of think of it this way. The big main point of all of this is that because of Jesus, we can change the effect we have on others. So just like the woman in the story, our mistakes, they, they don't have to erase the potential for positive effect or for good influence. Jesus has always, he's always been about do-overs and about new starts and about fixing things. That's who Jesus is. That's what he did for us. So maybe you're sitting there today and you're feeling like maybe you relate to this story. Maybe it kind of resonates with you a little bit because you've made some decisions that you regret some things that you're not so happy about when you look back and think on it, or you just assumed your bad decisions meant you weren't the kind of person that God wants to use anymore. Sure, I may go to church, but he's not going to use me anymore because I screwed it up. Or maybe you feel like you've made decisions that have caused you to lose all of your influence with the people around you. You're thinking, sure, God forgives, I get that, but people, they're still going to talk, right? You can't really change that. God may forgive me, but there's still all these people who know what I did, and they just are going to keep talking about it. Sure, God, he fixes things, fixes things all the time, but what about me? Is he going to fix my past and fix what I've done wrong? Because who am I? I'm not that special. Why is he going to take the time to fix what I've done? Who am I? What if my past never gets erased? I never get to start new, and this is just who I am now. And either way, no matter how you're feeling or how this story resonates with you, I think there are a few steps that we can take to kind of change our direction of where we're headed. The first one is you need to reflect. You have to ask yourself, what small steps or big decisions have led to you having a negative impact on those that are around you. You have to be honest with yourself. 
You actually have to sit down and you have to say, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to think about it. And I'm not going to lie to myself anymore. I'm going to say what I've done wrong that's leading to these negative effects that I'm having on other people. Is it how you speak to others? Are you too harsh or sarcastic in your responses? Maybe you get drunk, smoke weed. Maybe you make impulsive decisions that are just borderline reckless in your life. Maybe you're lying to the people who are closest to you, keeping something from them, not being up front. Or you're pretending to be someone that you're not to save face. Whatever it is, I want you to reflect on it. I want you to take the time to honestly think about what may be causing this you effect that we have to be not so good anymore. And the second thing that you have to do to change this direction is you have to confess. Beyond just reflecting, there has to be confession. If there are choices that have kind of led to you having this negative effect on others, you have to talk to God about it. You can't just realize them. God is open and wants you to come to him with these things. Invite him into your mess. He wants to be in your mess. He wants to be in your mess more than you know. Just like the woman at the dinner party, we can approach Jesus no matter what we've done, no matter where we are, no matter who we are, or what other people think or say about it. God isn't surprised. God isn't mad. And he's quick to forgive. And he accepts us just as we are right then in that moment. He sees us exactly as we are. People made in his image with incredible potential. And then the last thing, you have to identify a specific step. So identify a specific step that you can take that's going to move you in the right direction. You've came to terms with what you've done. You've confessed for it. Now, what do we do? We actually have to think about what are we going to do now to hit that, to get in the right direction. You actually have to make a move. Maybe it's something like you apologize to someone that you've mistreated or you've lied to. Or you just, you decide you're going to change the way that you speak to people around you. Or maybe it's asking someone to check in with you and hold you accountable and remind you about these positive decisions that you're deciding to make and making sure that you're staying on that path and that you're going to continue to make this change. Maybe it's getting right with your parents who you've been disobedient toward or you have been hateful toward. Maybe it's telling the people that are around you that you no longer want to make those same decisions anymore. That you don't want to keep doing the things that you've been doing. Maybe it's forgiving someone who may have wronged you in the past and cut you off. Or maybe most importantly, the first step is forgiving yourself. It's forgiving you because you've already been forgiven by your creator. So what are you waiting on for forgiving yourself? You've already been forgiven long before you even knew you were going to make the mistake. So maybe the most important step to get going in the right direction is to forgive yourself. And band, you can go ahead and come on up. Um, As you leave today... I kind of want you to remember this, think about this, and 
don't just let it be something that you come in this room and then we walk out and we're like, ah, whatever, I'm going to go live my life now. I want you to remember this. Because of Jesus, we can change the effect that we have on others. Lost influence does not have to be lost forever. Lost influence doesn't have to be lost forever. So don't fall into the trap of leaving here and forgetting what it is that God's kind of put on your heart tonight. He did it for a reason. And we need to fall out of this habit of constantly coming to church or coming to tribe or coming to small group and feeling convicted or feeling God putting something on our heart and then leaving and acting like nothing's happened. You have the ability to take a step in the right direction. You have the ability to take a step in a different direction than where you've been headed. And as you look around the room, these people that are with you or aren't with you, this is true for everyone, for everyone that's here and everyone that isn't here. So maybe you know someone who's made some choices that disappointed you or made you think of them differently. Maybe you have someone specific in mind that you're like, wow, this message applies to them. I know exactly who it is. If that's true, I need you to know that because of Jesus, they can have a fresh start too. They get a blank slate as well. And you can be a part of reminding them that they're welcome, loved, and that they're accepted here. doesn't matter what decisions they've made in the past. They're welcome and they're loved and they belong here. The truth is, is that we all mess up, right? We all mess up. We all make mistakes. We all cause something that's going to make us have negative influence sometimes. We take our U effect from positive to negative, and we really need a fresh start. And when that happens, we're also tempted to give up. I know I am. So tempted to just walk away and assume my story's over. I don't think I can do anything else to fix this or mend this. But Jesus makes it, he makes it so clear. He makes it so clear that nobody in the room gets to say when their story's over but him. And when we take a step toward him, he invites us. He invites us to get up instead of give up, and to change the effect one step at a time. Sometimes it's a process. You're not going to wake up one morning and feel like a perfect person. But the point is, is that Jesus died for the very reason so that you never had to feel ashamed about your past again. He didn't do it to look like a hero or to have everyone. He didn't hope everybody would talk about him and be super excited for all these ages to come, which it is what ultimately it resulted in because it was so amazing. But the real reason he did it is because he loves each and every one of you so very much. So much that he died this horrific, stupid, painful death just to free you from the bondage of shame and guilt. And it leads us into this new life in him. A new life, a blank slate, a fresh beginning... It's one that allows our influence for good and not to be held back by our mistakes. You don't have to hold on to the mistakes. I, for one, I need to hear this. I really do. I'm, I just like you guys, I fall into the trap of thinking that I've ruined my influence from one mistake. It's all over. I tried. I failed. Now let's just get through life and hope I don't make it any worse. 
But Jesus has called us to something so much more, something so much more powerful, and that's freedom. Because of Jesus, we can change the effect that we have on others. So today, during this next song, during your time after this, maybe after tribe in your house when you're laying down, I just ask you to forgive yourself, to call out to Jesus, and believe the fact that you're free. Believe that you're free and walk into the new beginning that he's already set aside for you. One that you can have an effect on others, positively influence them, and show them who Jesus is. Let's pray. Lord, we, we call out to you tonight, you know, thanking you for the freedom that we've received from you. Thanking you for your son and the price that he paid to make sure we never had to be held back in our sin again. You never said that this would be easy, that it would be an easy life. But you did promise forgiveness and comfort and grace. And I pray that everyone in this room would feel that forgiveness, that comfort, and that grace. I pray that they would call out to you and they would receive this in the way that you always intended it, Lord. I pray that any mistake or mishap or step backwards that we may have taken will be washed clean from us just the way that you promised, Lord. You didn't say all of this to get our hopes up or just to ease our minds, but you said it to actually follow through and to give us a life that's worth living. A life with you in it full of grace, full of forgiveness, showing people who you are is a life that is worth living, Lord. So for that, we say thank you. We love you. Shower us with your love. We need you now more than ever. Just come down and let every heart in this room feel your presence, Lord. And we pray all of this in your son's name. We love you. Amen.